0: If it were a Heinlein novel, it would almost certainly have been the the polycule, as you said. Right, you'd have
1: three mothers and five fathers, and, <laughs> and an alien thrown in there somewhere, and like like a bookcase, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Season 4 of Star's End, the podcast dedicated to Isaac Asimov's Classic Sci-Fi Series Foundation. I'm John, and together with my co-hosts, Stan and Joseph, we'll be watching and talking about Season 2 of Apple TV's Foundation series, episode by episode. We're glad you've decided to join us. Welcome to episode 13 of season four of the stars in podcast and this is the last episode of season four next time will be the beginning of season five as we continue on but today we're talking about the harry awards the second not really annual what are we calling them joseph awards it's, for foundational excellence
0: Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. yes the harry awards for foundational excellence and then i'm, I'm calling them the the semi semi-septennial
1: Okay. Um, <laughs> to kind of cover the
0: It's once every 24 so far it's once every 21 months.
1: But there's no guarantee that there'll be another one in 21 months. We just have to wait for season 3 which yeah, yeah yes. completely up in the air.
0: And then we'll have to come up with another silly way of uh, another silly adjective.
1: But we did open this up to public voting and so thank you to everyone and anyone who voted on these things. And we have some results. And we should probably just get straight to it. Um, unless anybody has any leftover comments from the actual season that they want to, that are burning a hole in your in your brain, and you want to get it out,
0: I think no? we should dive right in.
1: Let's dive right in. All right, Joseph, I'm going to turn it over to you. Take us take us through it.
0: So we pulled uh, everyone on ten different categories about for foundational excellence. So all with reference to season two of Foundation. Our first category which was uh, pulled by a, uh, I guess, I guess it's score voting, right where you got to where everyone got to assign a score between one and five to um, each of the each of the contestants is the Cleonist Cleon.
1: There's only four Cleons, right? We had we had Cleon that we had brother brother Dawn, Brother Day and brother Dusk. And then we had the hologram of Cleon the first. And so the question was, which of those Cleons was the Cleonist? And just to remind people who may or may not have voted, there were five categories. There was, it was, you could vote one to five for each participant, each, each nominee. Mm-hmm. Number one was hardly seems like a Cleon at all. And number five was all the way up to, it's hard to imagine someone Cleoner than this. Yes. So it was a close, it was close here. It was, it was close. close.
0: It was close. The The runner up unsurprisingly well maybe surprisingly that it's the runner up but unsurprisingly that he was near the top was brother day but the cleon is cleon and i think this is a bit of a surprise was cleon the first the hologram
1: right maybe it's just because he was the complete cleon and so when people are thinking of who's cleonist they think well cleon the first has all his memories he's the, he's the true cleon even though he's the hologram of cleon the first yes and he has Whereas- no,
0: no genetic drift
1: no genetic drift, and he's not one of the half men, as he mm-hmm. called the other Cleons, whereas our Cleon, the 16th, 17th and 18th, they're all genetically drifted, as you say, they're all their memories have all been edited. See, so maybe
2: I think our respond our respondents have a lot of luminous bias in this. <laughs> <laughs> they're looking for a soul. Yeah, like, you know, imagine, open up your imaginations, people. But yeah, <laughs> but no, like, it's a fine answer. You know, Cleon the First. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, 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 he's, he's a good Cleon. I have no complaints about him.
1: It's fine. I mean, I just think that Cleon the First, as a hologram, we don't really know how much of Cleon, the actual Cleon the First, was there. Like, we good. have to imagine that it's not comp- really Cleon the First. But, all right, well, that's, you know. And, and of course, this is not about the individual actors or the performances. Clearly, two of these Cleons are played by the same actor. Terence yep. Mann plays both Cleon the First and uh, brother Dusk, Cleon the 16th and i i thought he did a great job of actually of differentiating between the two you can really tell the difference i think this is something that you've you've brought up before joseph about how cleon the first seems to have a lot more presence and and gravitas mm-hmm. to him and cleon the 16th is much much less of that and and so you have one actor playing both roles and and we see that in a lot of these roles obviously all of those actors have played various different versions of themselves and of course, Jared Harris has played various different versions of Harry as well. Yeah, and we, uh, it, they've done had, a good job of kind of introducing subtle differences, but not overdoing it.
0: Yeah, I think we had seven Cleons in in um, if I'm remembering the the ballot correctly in in season one, and many of them were portrayed by two different actors. So I mean, this was an easier this was an easier group, I think, to parse.
1: It was, although the differences are more pronounced now. Yes, right. I mean, right. and, and in terms of what the actors had to do, the differences between Cleons are now more pronounced. Whereas in season one, they were very similar to each other. In season two, they were they were much different. Well, not much different, but they were they were more different than they were in season one. But anyway, yes. Cleon the first, the hologram yeah. Cleon, wins the prize. I'm sure he'll be very happy. I mean, we can do a holographic version of our certificate for him, and then
0: yeah, there you go. Yeah. That that sounds hard. I don't know if I I don't have, I don't have the <laughs> skills to do that.
1: Well, you've got you know twenty thousand years to get it to. to
0: well, let's get. Okay, that's a good point. That's a good point. I'm sure I could knock something out by then.
1: All right, let's move on to category number two.
0: So, category Harry, uh, category number two was the basically the best Harry. I was looking for something alliterative, so I said most hallowed Harry. I don't know what the hell that means, but it works. I think everybody can put their own interpretation on it anyway. So there were five. There was little kid Harry. There was beetlewig Harry. There was hologram Harry, so specifically the one from the the Prime Radiant, and then um, Pinocchio Harry. So really, those two are the same character, although one is after he became corporeal again, um, and then Vault Harry.
1: Right. And And again, we did this on the same one to five vote for each one.
0: Yeah. So scores just yeah just scores one to five, and um, if we look at the averages, Pinocchio Harry edges out Vault Harry. I score 4.5 to
1: 4.25. And if we add Pinocchio Harry and Hologram Harry's points together, <laughs> consider the same Harry. Well, I, I mean, I'm, you know, and that's another thing is that after Hologram Harry became Pinocchio Harry, he really was different. He was a he different absolutely person. Was. He absolutely I, was. I I thought that of all the Harrys, the one who showed the most empathy was Pinocchio Harry. Mm you know he I think he, that's true. remember the at the very end he's trying to comfort Gale and he actually repeats back to her something that she said earlier she says we're trying to save you know in a previous episode when she's criticizing Harry for just taking it for granted that Salvor was going to die in the future and telling Gale well you you know what are you going to do about it it's the it's the future it's going to happen and she says we're here to trying to save the whole galaxy we can't even save the people that we love and after Salvor dies and, and Harry and Gail are sitting on a rock by the ocean, that's one of the things that he says to her to comfort her.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, here we are trying to save the whole galaxy, but we can't even save the people that we love.
0: Yeah, that was, a, I think, actually, for both of them, a pretty good arc because they were very much in conflict in, in episode one. And they yes. were basically family by the end of it. Right.
1: Right, and and in that scene, of course, Harry talks about how he feels about losing Yana, mm-hmm. which is still fairly fresh for him, even though it you know it's a couple of well about one hundred and fifty years in the past in in chronological time, but of course he hasn't. Well, anyway, it still affects him quite quite yeah, sharply, and and he talks about it, and you know the, there is the the possibility or probability that hologram Harry would not have had the same emotional responses as flesh and blood harry does yes because there's so much tied up in brain chemistry and body chemistry that involves those emotions
0: well and he wouldn't have had the experience of almost drowning and being saved by gail as well so
1: and that link that they had yeah although i well i mean i guess it's possible he could have done that as a hologram but yeah but that that's that's right uh i'm not surprised to see little kid harry bringing up the rear here (laughs) yeah and Beetlewig Harry, you know, was, was I mean, that was a real miss by the show. There weren't too many misses by the show, mm-hmm. but that Harry, I mean, that attempt to make Jared, you know, I, I I mean, I don't like de-aging by CGI any more than the next guy, but de-aging by putting a stupid wig on him, it, it just didn't work. And it made it hard to maintain that willing suspension of disbelief when you're looking at this, you know, this man in his fifties or older. Trying to look like a man in his twenties because they put a terrible wig on his head. I mean, it just it, it, it. I
0: don't know if I can if I can accept Klingons with the ridges on their foreheads. I, <laughs> I can I can I can
2: force myself I, to take that. I, I was I was a little disappointed how low Beetlewig Harry came out. I I thought <laughs> we might we might get him bumped up a little just just for the the sheer pleasure of that insanely ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> costume job. <laughs> I mean, if you look at his votes, they're like almost a
1: perfect bell curve, where yeah, the middle true. vote was the was the most common, and then they you know, sort of just trail off on the wings. I guess a lot of ambivalence.
0: Mm. Yeah, well, we also, I mean, the, the 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 three hologram Harry and Pinocchio, well, really the hologram slash Pinocchio Harry and Vault Harry, we had for the full season. Uh, little hit kid Harry, we saw like three times, and Beetle Harry, right. we only saw once. So that also, I think. Would have some effect
1: on that's that. right that's true we, we got a lot more of these other harrys for sure especially towards the end of the season yeah all right
0: beetle Harry out and out and kills somebody which is you know
1: he did he did although you know there's the possibility that some other harry or the original harry may have killed yeah i
2: people. i think i think there's a lot of harrys who've killed a lot of people
0: <laughs> yeah well that's that, yeah that's absolutely true including the warden there
1: Oh yes. Yes, the warden. That was that was an interesting moment. That was a little unnecessary. <laughs> well, that's what and remember in that deleted scene, that's what Polly confronts him with. I mean, right. he confronted right. him yeah. once in the vault with it, but in that deleted scene, he he really says, You didn't you just didn't have to kill him. And and Harry says, Well, that's what gods do. And 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 Polly says, Yeah, but you're not a god. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so that was that was an important scene, and it really was. I mean, it really showed the the lack of empathy of Voltaire.
0: Yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame we didn't get to see that
1: that deleted scene. Yes, the well, scene, Yes, I guess if you know if somebody had had a like one point six million dollars, I think is what what they said they saved by not doing that scene.
2: <laughs> Maybe we Why? Why? Why would that scene have cost that much money? Would I'm not just, sure. Uh,
0: t- uh, uh, entire planetary environment maybe they'd need to go to an entirely new location
2: like was it was it was it written later and then they'd have to go and and go back to a shooting location or something it's possible they would have had to but they remember there's more than
1: one location in the scene because there's new terminus right and then there's wherever it is that maybe it's the still the vault where polly goes Mm. to polly goes to see harry i I, you know I, i don't really know much about the economics of actually producing a tv show so if David Goyer says it would have cost $1.6 million, I'm going to believe him on that. Yeah, Look, ju- just,
2: just because we don't know anything doesn't mean we, sh- we can't comment on it. I mean, I think that's kind of like is, our motto is this is <laughs> like this is the Internet. <laughs> what else is the Internet for?
0: And, and, and Dan, you've been to faculty meetings.
2: <laughs> oh,
1: <laughs> all right. Let's move to our next category.
0: So yeah, next category was uh, favorite moment of levity. Yes. Or um, and so this was balloted by what uh, approval voting. You just got to pick as many of these as many of these as you liked, And actually, we we had um, participants had the ability to add their own moments of levity. Did anyone? Yeah, there were three.
1: Oh yeah, there they go.
0: Yeah, they are, yeah we just- there. Yeah
1: weenus <laughs> yes yeah,
0: that was my favorite somebody just wrote weenus exclamation
1: was that that That's was a guess that hober Mallow made yeah as to yes. brother Constance Constance's name he guessed yes. yes
2: that 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 really was an excellent i just want to call that out for like a, a like an honorary mention Venus sure. weenus is that was clever brother day
1: deserved. getting up from the medic medic tank and demanding a rope to stop his damn manhood from flapping around and giving brother dawn a wink that was a good one
0: that was a good one
1: and and along the same lines one we didn't include was Demerzel when queen sarath was coming for oh, a and, conjugal visit turning around and giving giving yeah. brother day the old go-getter you know that that was yeah so uh, that that
0: court of yeah went the uh, court of borderline levity and and <laughs> <laughs>
1: and then the third one is there's harry screaming trees trees trees
3: <laughs> as yeah, the beggar was...
1: crashes now i will throw one thing in here i i just did a guest appearance on the uh selden crisis podcast with joel mckinnon yeah, which the... i encourage everyone to listen to it's just the two of us saying whatever the hell we feel like for a couple of hours so it's more, more or less a mm-hmm. an episode of this podcast <laughs> but he brought up something that that uh, was a slightly different which was he likes some of the comedy things or the funny things that we sometimes say and he said his favorite one was the one from season one actually so it doesn't even qualify mm-hmm. when uh when brother da- brother day was punishing azura and we said wouldn't it have, or maybe it was you Dan. i think it was you dan i said wouldn't it have been funny if like one of the gardeners yes in the background just <laughs> fell out of the tree <laughs> i think
0: that was dan that was good <laughs>
1: So I just wanted to throw that in as a uh, an honorary moment of levity. Yeah, fair enough. Because we didn't give a category to our own humor; we just did the, the show. So all right, let's let's go.
0: Uh, you know, I was going to say though, I, I'm about a third of the way through that episode, and that's it's very good. And oh, thank you. I wanted to thank you for the kind things that you said about the podcast toward the beginning.
1: I, you know, yeah. I don't have to. I don't have to pretend. I also mentioned your grandfather.
0: You did. Uh, thank you for that.
1: Sure. So we we haven't announced the winner of
2: this yet. We have not no,
1: let's the... do it. I'm sorry, I, well, I got should... a, I got a side-tracked. We've so been keeping we... everyone in suspense. <laughs> yeah.
2: What is the moment of levity? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, so we should run down. The, should we? Let's run down. Why don't down. you do them
1: in reverse order of of uh, of their count?
0: That's that yes. that'll work. Um, so in episode four, when Hober was trying to guess Constant's name, and and he said, I, I panicked. Burma and that was a, a Monty Python reference from the, the penguin, um, sketch. Yes. Um, and then, um, so that, that was at the bottom, probably because there's a not a lot, there, there's probably a disappointing number of, of Monty Python aficionados in the group of people who watch foundation.
1: Well, I can't help it. I'm, I'm old enough to remember Monty Python. Yeah. Although
0: I played the, um, apropos of nothing but i, I played the uh because it's just teaching logic and discrete math this term and i played the the witches scene from holy grail and we you know analyzed some of the logic in it and then i, I had a student just randomly come across a monty python reference and something else and she had to come to my office and tell me about it it's like <laughs> and and that that made me happy
2: <laughs>
0: uh, i never heard of this in, in, until you told me about it but okay. um
1: got to bring culture to the next generation
0: absolutely that's that's part of my job even though I'm all, all right so teaching math okay so the, the next that was time.
1: in last place what well, was in, in fourth so place then
0: fourth place was uh brother constant tries to, trying to convince hober mallow that her real name was hope from the final episode
1: i laughed out loud at that yeah, i really that was i was good. completely sucked in by that and then <laughs> you know felt stupid but i, I laughed
0: fair enough and then there was the execution st- uh, execution scene where Hover was about to be impaled by the Titan's prick. I mean, I thought that that whole, that whole sequence was delightful. It was just.
2: It, it was great. Good. Yeah. Beautiful.
0: And so in second place was uh, Pinocchio Harry beating Tell him to death with a wrench and then sitting down and casually saying, I never liked her.
1: Yeah, that, I like that one too. I also laughed out loud at that one. Yeah.
0: That was good. And then, uh, and then the the final one was Hober uh, and Bel Rios uh, sitting down to enjoy Hober's two hundred year old wine and discovering that it was bad.
1: Yeah, and the reference to what part of Becky's anatomy it tasted like.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was that was that was charming.
2: Uh, so. Yeah, that was that was probably like the that was like the first time I think that we got a whole scene that was comic right in, in two, two seasons. I mean, we've had, we've had some like funny lines.
0: Well, you mean the Titans prick scene or the, the... Oh,
2: I was, I was gonna, I was saying the wine, I suppose the Titans prick is also a comic scene. Yeah. Both of those were, are really like just structured to be comic in a way. Although, but,
1: I mean, I would say that the yeah. that the wine scene is actually a lot more serious than the Titans prick scene. I mean the Titans prick scene is yeah. farcical and yeah. involves people switching places like all the classic like Shakespearean <laughs> switching of identities. Whereas the the wine scene was somewhat poignant because yes. you have these two guys who know that yeah. at some point very soon they're going to die. Yeah. And you know they actually have kind of a serious conversation. They talk about Glaywin a little bit. Yeah, yeah. um It has a, a serious kind of overtone to it, even though it's it's played for laughs. It's also I I thought it was you know, poignant, is the word. It's yeah. it's complex, like a fine wine, <laughs> like a fine wine, <laughs> a, a fine <laughs> wine that it. hasn't turned to vinegar over two hundred years, <laughs> or has it? Well, <laughs> I think that's a good that's a good winner. I, I, I yeah. think that's a that's a very good seed, sure. and right. uh, and and deserves an award.
0: Yeah. I agree. I think that that, that, that's a good choice.
1: Shall we move along to? Let's
0: move along.
1: Moving along. Here we go. Yeah, moving along. to to our fourth category.
0: Okay, so the shocking plot complication. So also done by approval voting. So which plot plot complication did you find shocking? And let's see if, I haven't checked this one, are there? Okay, so there's one additional. Because this was, again, approval voting, and people could add add one. Right. And there's a, a call out to Dukum Barr. It has to be blasted in Belarus. Said, oh sure, blam. And then what's the comment? Dudes, Dukum is supposed to be a pretty important character, the heart of the general exclamation point.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that was a that was a surprise. Fair point. Fair point. It was Good definitely comment. a surprise.
0: This actually is a legitimate tie. Let's work our way up to um, Okay. So um surprising plot complications uh, at the bottom is um oh, Good, we thought Tellum killed her, but Salvor is still alive. Yay!
1: I think we all the, the yeah. reason why that got such a low score is that it was not shocking to anyone that Salvor yeah. was still alive.
0: Yeah, I think it, it was it was good foreshadowing for eventually getting Harry back. Yeah, and then in um, what are we one, two, three, four, five, in fifth place, uh, Demerzel was behind the assassination attempt that got her head sliced in half, actually tied for it, So maybe we would call this um, maybe we'd call this fourth place. Or third place?
1: Fourth. No, it'd be fourth. Yeah, it would be fourth.
0: Yeah. So tied with. Hey, Harry's alive after all. Tell him didn't kill him either.
1: Yeah, and I guess again, like there was a lot of speculation that Harry was still alive. Yep. And so it was a little bit surprising the way they they did it, like a jump scare, you know, where he just mm-hmm. appears out of nowhere. But there was an awful lot of speculation going on. I don't think people were surprised per se that he was alive. Just yep. maybe the way it happened. Indeed. And again, the same with Demerzel, right? I mean, we, we've all been speculating since before the show started. Well, maybe not before the show, started. but very early on, that Demerzel is is the puppeteer behind so much. And so to find out that she was behind the assassination attempt, yeah, yeah, yeah. not, not yeah, shocking.
0: Fair enough. fair enough. And then Harry coming back to life is in third place,
1: and that's Harry coming back to life with a body, right?
0: Right. Yes, that is Harry coming back to, um, that is Harry coming back to life with a body.
1: Yeah, that was kind of shocking, and it still hasn't been explained. Yeah, I mean, who would do that? We we don't know. We don't know who that person appearing as Callie was.
0: That's, that's true. So there, there are some loose ends for that season is three.
1: A very loose end.
0: And so in, in first place, first is Terminus is destroyed?
1: Yeah, now, again, because they had brought back Harry, who seemed to be dead, and they had brought back Salver, who seemed to be dead, and also because it was really hard to conceive of how the Foundation continues after Terminus is destroyed, that was a shock. That was a shock. And we were all in such complete disbelief that it took the entire next episode to convince us that Terminus had in fact really been destroyed.
0: Yeah, although ultimately I think this is mitigated a bit because although Terminus was destroyed, I I was assuming when we were talking about it that Terminus was destroyed and most of the Foundation with it. But of course, they scooped up
2: everybody yeah. on
0: terminus
1: you know, i'll never get tired of saying that i find that sloppy but it is what it is it is what it is it is now canon in the show
0: and so the number was oh uh, well okay the other number one shocking plot complication was oops salvor's dead for real this time
1: yeah i would that was shocking and again because so much of the thing seemed to turn on gale's vision of the future and seeing salvor dead in the future and how unchangeable the future was, but apparently not. Apparently, the future really is changeable. And uh Salvor wasn't gonna make it into the future. And even Salvor had been saying that she basically felt invincible because she knows she's gonna die in the future, so she can't right. die now. And uh turns out turns out that was not the case.
0: Yeah, I, I think I read somewhere that, that David Goyer had, had a hard time selling that to the writer's room, but had in a hard way, time. He-
2: Killing, so, killing her.
0: Yeah, selling the selling the idea that they should kill Salvor in the writers' room. Okay, w- which which I could kind of see, honestly. You no, know, but it. Well, did. I, oh, go ahead.
1: I, I mean, I'm so tired of of these kind of time loop stories and and stuff that I I actually don't mind seeing one that kind of violates the the norms of time loops and says nope. That vision of the future that you saw was a changeable vision of the future. It was a possible future. It was not the future. And so I'm fine with it, actually. I I really dislike time travel stories for the most part.
0: Yeah, and it it, it definitely drove home the point that pretty much anything goes. They so don't know what's coming. All right. Okay. So, so shall we move on? Let's move on. So we had four acting categories. This one's probably the most fun. A lot of entries. This was outstanding performance by a prop tool, non-human entity, or group. This is, again, pulled by, you know, scored where, where people would give each a score of one to five with five being great and one being not good at all. The nominees were the Mentalics, the Spacers, the Titans Prick, the Prime Radiant, the Terminus Grew, the Atomic Ashtray, um, Seraph's Servant, the Prime Radiant, Callie, Harry's Beetle Harry's beetlewig and Becky the Bishop's Claw. And I tried to mix those up. I think I got them all.
1: I think you got them all, yeah. I
0: think you got them all. And um,
1: Should we just talk about the top few? Yeah, let's talk about- Third place and up.
0: So third place was the Prime Radiant?
1: I mean, I'm a little surprised by that, because the Prime Radiant didn't really do anything.
0: Well, except for when it was, except for the first couple of episodes, where it seemed to be doing a hell of a lot, and then it just sort of stopped.
1: Right, they kind of dropped that storyline, the whole idea of the Prime Radiant becoming sentient. And we see it lots. We see lots of the Prime Radiant, but it, you know, we don't see we don't see that sentience except, to, you know, outside of the first couple of episodes.
0: Okay, well, come on, how many how many how many actors can be both both two dimensional and three dimensional, literally,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and four dimensional, and four dimensional?
0: That's a good point. That's a good yeah. point.
1: Many dimensions to the Prime Radiant. That's right. So it got a lot of. Character. It got a lot of that. Was great. I mean, it, it, it,
0: uh, yeah, it, yeah, it's true.
1: Um, All right. So that's third place, second place? Um
0: s- second place is the spacers.
1: I mean is- they're very interesting yeah. and and sometimes and I think in this case it's true less is more. Yeah. You know they left a lot unexplained about the spacers yeah. and they leave you wanting to know more about them like how what is their anatomy? What is their physical makeup? And
0: yeah that whole see-through torso thing is just is just I can't stop thinking about that. Right,
1: and we hear a little tiny bit about how they were created through genetic engineering, and and their role in things, you know, being the navigators. It's all very interesting, but they give us so little that it was it it actually piques your interest. It makes you want to hear more.
0: Yeah, agreed. And so the winner was Becky the Bishop's Claw.
1: I mean, you gotta you gotta love Be- Becky the Bishop's Claw.
0: You do, <laughs> and I think it's possible that am- animals would have a advantage in any kind of category like this also but also she died heroically and she got she got the bright brother bite brother day
1: yeah supposedly it was a tremendous sigh of relief at least for david goyer when they killed becky off because Uh they didn't have to figure out how to pay for doing more (laughs) because he said it was the most expensive special effect they had and they did a great job by the way i mean becky does not look fake becky looks real
0: yeah, that's absolutely true. But I, but I, but I have to re re reassert my claim, my, my, um, my comment that, you know, it's a bad idea for foundation to throw out the idea that they should get rid of something just because it costs a lot.
1: Yeah, yes. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, and the I, thing I want to yeah. see, as I mentioned before, and I also mentioned it on uh, Joel's podcast is that in filming the scenes with Becky. They had a uh, a stunt actor in one of those green leotards with a gigantic <laughs> Becky head on, running around the stage, and I I really want to see that.
0: Yeah, that would actually. That I'm, I'm sure that's hilarious. That would be a moment of levity in and of itself. Yeah, and yet
1: the actors ultimately they have to get at least one take where they take it completely seriously. Mm-hmm. So they they can't look at it and laugh about it.
0: Right. Um,
2: this is this is not the kind of show that could have like one element that was just looked terrible <laughs> right no, So I understand true. but like I kind of wish it did <laughs> right like I I you know I would I would kind of I would just enjoy seeing have seen an episode of just like an actor in a in a pretty terrible Becky mask. Running running around. Like a Gorn, making... like the Gorn suit from the original Yeah, story. Like that, or like you know, <laughs> early Doctor Who costumes, oh, that God. kind of thing.
0: <laughs> well let us let us not forget the um, the costumes of the Anacreonians in season one. Oh the Encon the, end con- uh, the end yeah, cosplay.
2: Yeah, like the, the wood <laughs> the wood
1: armor. <laughs> I mean, it looked silly, but it also looked yeah. real. I mean, you it, could, it see could see that be... being somebody's ceremonial ridiculous costume fair enough like
2: and hundreds of years ago i mean even it looked expensive too like the when they do real costumes as opposed to cgi creatures it it's it looks expensive Mm. like they like the the budget for costuming must have been outrageous especially when you have you know on trantor and you have like 300 people assembled in like future space silks uh these yeah. flowing robes. I mean it's it's sometimes it's just incredible thinking about the costume, the costuming and the budget for that.
0: Yeah, you wasn't know am, am I wrong in remembering that costuming was one of their two Emmys for season one?
2: Uh I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised.
1: You know, one one uh prop that we didn't even really mention was the paint that they used for the oh. mural. Yeah. The kind of flowing yeah. paint, which also looked very real.
2: That's true. Yeah, it was, it was crucial
1: a, to the plot. It's crucial to the plot, and it was a very well done effect. But yeah, like the the palace looks very good. Even the exterior, like sometimes the exteriors mm-hmm. of things look crappy, like because the, they they cheap out on the CGI for them. But like the exterior of the palace looked really good. Mm-hmm. It it really was a very it, it is a very good looking show. However, it is that they've done it. However, whatever the budget they've worked in. There's I can't think of a single scene where I went that just goes thud. It doesn't look. It doesn't look real. Yeah, Yeah,
0: that is that's absolutely true.
1: And I, I realize technology has come to the point where it's a lot easier to do that, but it's still not trivial to do that. Mm-hmm. All right, should we move on?
0: Let's move on. So maybe John, you should start us start us off here. This is outstanding performance of, as a tertiary character, and so. Could you allow, could you enlighten us on what we mean by a tertiary character? Yeah,
1: so tertiary characters are characters, and again, nothing against the actors or even the roles they're playing, but they're characters that mainly exist as an adjunct or to enhance another character's story. So, for example, Glewyn Kerr, who has a great story, does not have much of a story outside of his relationship with Belrios. Mm-hmm. The same with yana selden I mean, she's really there as as harry's wife and joiner rue uh the others that are nominees here are josiah the the young boy in the mentalics and Lauron, who is another mentalic as well uh, both of whom had kind of key roles but they they really are are not I guess I, I would contrast them with secondary characters who may be main characters, but primarily within the confines of a single season. Yep. Whereas the primary characters are the ones who are the characters that we've been following from season to season and will continue to do so with the exception of Salvor, of course. Although who knows? We, we might. Who knows what they're going to do with Salvor? They, they, you know, she seems dead, but, uh, you know.
0: That's true. We've already had limited time travel, so anything can happen.
1: You could have time travel clones. You could have multiple timelines. Things happen. Anyway.
0: Yeah, so pretty close. Let's talk about the top two. Pretty close results between the top two. Coming in in second place was Sandra Yee. Uh,
1: Sensen Diver?
0: Sensen Diver. There you go. As enjoined yeah. Joined rule. Yes. And, which would be, what, uh, 20, 36, 42, 43 points.
1: I'm a little surprised by that although she did a very good job and she kind of had a little more complex story than just being Queen Sarah's advisor. I mean that's an important role as well but she also kind of went off on her own with brother dusk and was intriguing on her own. So maybe that's why she looks like a more um you know she looks like a more fully developed character and uh and 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 got more votes because she she really does in a lot of ways have her own story
0: yeah well and, and we debated when we were putting this together we debated whether she should be in this category or in the primary um the uh, that's right because secondary, secondary
1: because yeah. she was almost as important as uh rue uh, as queen sarath so yes. yeah
0: and you know everybody else was adjacent to one other character and she was actually very much adjacent to two that's true but the winner, but the winner yep. was uh Dino Fetcher as I'm uh, gonna say
1: Fetcher is probably Fetcher. right here yeah. or as Fetcher.
0: Kerr, which was just which was just an outstanding performance, I thought.
1: It was a great performance. And although it was really primarily there as a foil for Ben Daniels as Bel Rio's, it was really, really important yeah. in Bel Rio's character. And you know, the idea that he was a check on Bell and that he was very, very concerned that. Bell's time in the prison camp had potentially made him lose his humanity. And we do see in that last moment between them, well, a little bit previous to that, where where Glewyn says, you know, that he he believes that Bell is really himself, because Bell is thinking of all the people in the galaxy in terms of, you know, as, as far as trying to decide whether he should rebel or not. But in that last scene where Glewyn Kind of gives Bell permission to kill him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very touching moment, and you know that that whole relationship between the two of them was really extremely well done.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. agreed.
1: So I'm not unhappy to see Dino Fetcher win that uh, win that category. No, nor like, I. Well deserved, I think. Although all these performances were good. Yeah, you know, they're, they're, he, he was really exceptional.
0: There are a few bad, and I'm not going to say who I think they are, but there are very few bad performances in the entire in the entire two seasons
1: that's true all right should we move on to the next category
0: let's move on to the next category let's um let's jump to secondary characters because um okay well we're kind of we're, we're kind of on acting awards and then we can we can lead off the, the, the top three awards i would think would be primary character and best director and best episode so let's
1: all right. well and, and so again as we said the secondary characters are characters who are pretty much main characters but only within the span of the season itself. And so Ben Daniels as Bel Rios, Kulvinder Gere was Polly, uh, Rachel House was Talon Bond, Isabella Laughlin as Brother Constant, Dimitri Leonidas as Hober Mallow, and Ellerae Smith as Queen Sarath. And these characters really gave the show depth and provided, uh, I think, some of the most popular characters. Mm-hmm. Well, the most likable characters, the most interesting characters—it's uh, really actually hard to choose between them because, in addition to everything else, the performances of these actors were all extremely good, all very engaging, very interesting. And I think again, you you can give a lot of credit to the writers and to to David Goyer, who seems to really give depth to this type of character. You know, you get a real backstory on Bell Rios. You have. Polly who was a child when he first saw Harry and that is a motivating factor in his life obviously tell him who's a complete villain has an interesting story brother constant I I think it would be very uh I don't think anyone would disagree that brother constant was the most likable character in the entire season yes and Obermallow provides all of that trickster stuff many of our moments of levity and and Ellaray Smith as Queen Sarath and her intrigues and 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 all that it was all it just you know hard to choose between these between these six and and several more that we didn't include.
2: And yeah. I I think it's it's uh, understandable that among people who voted, most people gave most of these actors very high marks. Indeed. Yeah, I think that that says a lot about the quality of the acting. Uh, we
1: actually across, across the board. Had a hard time figuring out who was in first place here. Yeah, we did.
0: Yeah, there, there, there are three to are way up at the top. That's a bit of a gap before the, the, the last couple. Uh, but those three were, and maybe we should talk about them one at a time before we announce. But those three were um, Isabella Laughlin, Colvinder Gear, and Ben Daniels.
1: And again, as I said, Brother Constant was such a popular and likable character. The kind of person you'd you'd kind of really like to meet and and get to know.
0: You know, I was was thinking in these three characters, kind of a common thread between them is that if you look at those three, it kind of gives us the the show a soul in a way that it didn't have in season one.
1: I mean, it's a very good point. And I I think that, you know, one of the things I I, uh, mentioned on the other podcast was that, you know, the the overall story involves this huge historical story, Mm -hmm. this historical arc. But it's kind of impersonal and dry, really. But it's there and it's happening. Yep. But if you think about what what we really liked about season one, a lot of it was the individual stories, you know, like like um, Farah's story
3: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, and Salver's story and and all of these kind of and even you know we we got to, to see there was that whole episode dedicated to Brother Dusk becoming Brother Darkness and getting vaporized mm-hmm. at the end of the episode, and that's a really very personal story. And I and I'm. I speculate that maybe they looked at that and went, we need to take what was really good about season one and do like a whole bunch more of it here in season two. And in season two, we got, while all of these historical events were going on around us, we got all of these personal stories, Brother Constant and Hober Mallow. And mm-hmm. we got all the different Harrys and how they were interacting and, and how Harry and Gail and Salvor interacted with each other. And, um, uh, and of course, Bill Rios and, and Glewyn Kerr and those were the stories that we really liked. You know, those were the things that are really interested. The Spacer story, of which we we only got kind of the edges of it. Yep. And a lot of these characters are really tied up in those individual. Polly's story. Polly, who's the kid who sees Sal, who sees Harry Selden, and then grows up to become the head of a religion he doesn't believe in, but he believes in Harry. But then he loses that belief in Harry, and it's just really. Yeah. These are great stories. These are all great stories. Even each,
2: each of these characters, you can, if you just think about that character in isolation over the course of the season, each character has a fantastic arc that shows, you know, really great kind of character motivation and development. And so like I'm not taking anything away from the individual actors who brought these to life so well, but I think part of the success of each of these characters is also in the writer's room because they, they, they they really like, it's, it's, it's almost shocking, you know, thinking about how all of these six characters, none of whom was really in, in season one, each, each being given that complex of a kind of character arc over the whole season and, and realizing it in ways that are just so satisfying. So it was really impressive.
1: And in ten episodes of limited screen time for everybody,
2: right, right,
1: right? They had to really make a lot of the screen time that they had. If you added up the screen time that Ben Daniels had or Colvinder Gear had, it's not really that much time. Yeah. And yet they were able to really flesh out these characters in a in a tiny space of of uh, of screen time. Absolutely. You know who else I would really impress me that's not mentioned here? Seth Sermac, who you know goes from being well, he, first of all, he's brother Constant's father, and so that's kind of interesting, but he's also like kind of a craven politician, or at least he's portrayed as a craven politician. And even Harry makes fun of him, you know, when he's going around Voltaire, when he's going around the characters he he mentions nice suit twice to him. Yeah. It's really like a slap in the face. But then, when Seth Cermak doesn't know whether Brother Constant has been executed or not, we see a, a whole realness and depth to that character really in one scene, where he goes and confronts Vault Harry. And it's such a great scene. And it's such a, you know, it was, he was such a, a caricature of a character. Oh, you know, the empty suit. And then we, we really see just a, you know, the father who doesn't know if his daughter has been executed or not. And I, yeah. I just, I just, I mean, that was, yeah, like, yeah loved it was, the,
0: the way that they played that off was, was so good. We're, we're, I got, I got very angry. And then I don't know that the character's name, but the guy was referring to as, um, as Niedermeyer. Yes. Going well, that jackass just got, you know, that jackass just got us into a war in front of, you know, Cermak without who doesn't know if his daughter has been executed.
1: Right. When Hober shows up. When Hober shows up. Yeah. That was one of the Terminus crew. I I, I can never really distinguish between who they are. I also don't really understand the relationship between Seth Cermak, the character known as Pater and Brother Constant. At first, when Brother Constant shows up back on Terminus, she like runs into Pater's arms. And I thought he was her boyfriend.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But now I think that Pater and Seth are her parents.
0: I think that's right. That That's the impression that I came away with. Not at first, but by the end of the season.
1: <laughs> and when you think about it, when she talks about why she won't tell Hober her name, she says, my Pater is from Thespis. And we have this ancient tradition where names are are uh, names are private. And so that gives you the impression that th- that person is her parent. Mm-hmm. But we also know that Steph Sarmak is your parent. And so,
2: yeah, that
1: was confusing. I think that
2: this actually was probably a writer's room goof or or an editing goof. I don't know. But it feels like something, just a sentence should have been in there somewhere that clarified this. And somehow that sentence vanished. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. yeah, Or maybe they just wanted to present it as an alternative
1: family without comment because... 20,000 years in the future, those things will not be worthy of comment.
2: You know, I mean, I I think it, it wouldn't be worthy of comment. And like Bell Rios and Gleywind, no one said, oh, it's a same-sex couple. But um, just like, I didn't know if they were family, right? I, right. I just, like, I, I was confused. No, they left us on. to
1: figure it out. You're probably yeah. right that there probably was some explanatory note somewhere that just didn't make it into the final yeah. version. And they just said, well, we'll just let them figure it out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we still haven't.
0: So. I'm pretty sure we got it, but yeah, yeah. No, I I'm think that's 100 right. sure.
1: Although, then we don't know. Does Constant have a mother? Is it a polycule? Is it? Oh, well, we don't know. It could be. I mean, we, we just don't know. I mean, I mean, her genetic material had to come from somewhere, and but, but we don't know. We don't know.
0: That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, but I don't mean that's... to be
1: ignorant about these things, but I am. But I also just don't know.
0: Well, i mean that, that was certainly a if it were a Heinlein novel it would almost certainly have been the the polycule as you said right you'd have
1: three mothers and five fathers and, <laughs> and an alien thrown in there somewhere and like like a bookcase you know <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: okay so shall we announce the winner yeah
1: i guess yes let's please i'm sorry i, I was starting to because i said isabel laughlin his brother constant is one of the winners and then go ahead joseph
0: yeah so the, so the the ultimate winner is uh ben daniels is bel rios
1: right but very very close very very close kind of by the by by virtue of getting the most fives
2: yep
1: and just barely edging out Kulvinder gear as polly for total points Mm -hmm. like 46 to 45 or something like that so uh yeah no and, and and again i would have a very hard time choosing between them i i thought polly was a great character would have been even more great if that if that extra scene had been in but great anyway yeah
0: Yeah, that could have made the difference here honestly that one deleted scene
1: I mean think about it he's uh he's he's the kid in season one he grows up to be as I said the head of the religion that doesn't believe in but he but he believes in Harry he's a drug addict and a drunk and you know he's a very disillusioned man but he's been keeping himself going so they never really explained how he lasted that 138 years and there's there's some implication that he did it by sheer willpower that he just said, I am not going to die until I see Harry Seldon again. And he kept expecting, he was kind of like the, uh, you know, the, and there's a character in mechanical for Leibovitz, uh Eliezer or Lazarus or laser who turns out he is Lazarus. He's the Lazarus that Jesus brought back from, from the dead way, way, way back when, and he just won't die. You know, he says, he told me he's coming back and I'm not going anywhere until he gets here. And he just refuses to die for a couple of thousand years. And I got that same kind of feeling from from Polly that he's just saying, all right, you know, the only thing I have to live for is Harry Seldon. And damn it, he said, you know, I expect him back and I'm, I'm not leaving till he comes. Because we speculated that it might have been time dilation, traveling at sublight speeds between the various planets. But, you know, they never really said.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, he does. Yeah, because he doesn't seem close to 138 years old or what have you. So something's going on. We might. But they talk.
2: He talks about it. This is how I lived. 130. I mean, I don't know. I I, really I think know. Uh, you know, uh, drink and hard drugs make for a uh, long life.
0: Oh, the I guess Keith Richards one. diet. <laughs> I <guess> that's
1: right.
2: <laughs> Maybe he is Keith Richards. We yeah. don't know.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, actually, well, okay, except he was a little kid. So he was but, a little kid. That's true. Yeah. But uh, but. You know, maybe in his lineage somewhere down the road, twenty thousand years back, I'm sure Keith's genes are just that strong. They're still, you know, they're still dominant.
1: For you know, Keith could still be there somewhere.
0: Oh, uh, there's no <laughs> doubt. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, shall we move on to the next category? What do we want to do next? The uh, primary. Do we character. want to do the primary yeah, character, or do, we, do we want to do the, the director the, first?
0: Uh, let's do the Four primary, char- know, char-
1: do primary do the character. The primary- and, uh, and again, just to remind everybody, the primary characters are the kinds of characters who um, are ever-present, who are continuous through through all of the generations and have lasted over 100 years. And presumably, all of them except Salvar Harden will be there next season. So the the five that we narrowed it down to are uh, Lara Byrne as Demerzel, Jared Harris as Harry, and all his different incarnations. Leah Harvey as Salvor, even though she isn't going to make it to the next season, we presume. Lou Bell as Gail Dornick and Lee Pace representing the Cleons as Brother Day. And he really is the main Cleon, let's face it. Yeah. Very much. And he gets he gets all the campiest and most over-the-top scenes of all the Cleons. And so again, I think a lot of these, um, a lot of these characters were highly rated. You know, people who voted here gave high ratings to most of the because again, you were able to to give characters that one through five.
0: I was going to say that those are, are a common voting thing. Although these last two are going to be different. All right, so the comment that I want to read, that I wanted to read, and maybe I should
1: give it a little, yeah, a little, give a little yeah,
0: yeah. So there, so there was one comment relevant to this, uh, re- relevant to this category that uh, someone named Isabel made on our made on our website, and uh, and and she wrote, "If I could have." I would have voted for Lee Pace's performance as the best of all this season and last. And I think that's that best of all among all the categories as well as best of all among all the seasons. Yeah. Lee Pace was one of the, the, there are really two people here that were right up at the top.
1: Right. I mean, and I love Lee Pace. And I think if we had that category for both seasons, I think the other person would be, it would be very hard to choose between the two of them. Yep. And of course, we'll go ahead you can say who that. Is. And that's the winner of the category as well.
0: Yeah. So the, the winner of the category was uh, Laura Byrne as Demerzel, which I think makes a lot of sense because she had such exposure in the last few episodes.
1: She did. And, you know, as opposed to Lee Pace, who was really able to do kind of over-the-top lunatic stuff, like the thing about his manhood flapping <laughs> around, you know, Demerzel is a robot and is a little bit robotic. And while Demerzel has emotions, she doesn't show them so overtly. She kind of has the Vulcan thing going on. And so for the actor, all of those emotions have to be shown in like the, the twitch of an eye or the raising of an eyebrow or the way she holds her hands. It's everything so understated that those things become the smallest thing becomes exaggerated.
0: And yet how powerful was the way she holds her hands when we finally got the payoff to that in yeah the, in that episode was so
1: that's so true and also it makes the scene where she goes right up and confronts queen sarath so much more powerful because Demerselle is always so under control mm-hmm. and she goes right up to sarah gets right in her face and says yeah and in case you're wondering who killed your family i brought the same efficiency to that that i bring to everything i do or words to that effect and it was really powerful that she felt you know, the need to like unload there. And it was, you know, the the shock of that was, was pretty strong. And then, and, and then as the episodes continue, we really kind of see her really losing control Mm -hmm. and yet it's done in a very controlled way. So, you know, in some ways, I think that's an even better acting job than Lee Pace who gets to be very flamboyant and, and, you know, really like wave, wave his arms around and other things. You know he shouts at people like remember in in season one where ian mcneese is the uh imperial statistician and <laughs> lee pace basically shouts him to death yeah. or at least unconscious and he does the same thing in uh in the scene in the church where he wants polly to to do a performance and he he you know he shouts at him and we never never
2: see denversell do anything like that
0: no yeah understated is so much harder i think yeah
2: and Laura Byrne has to do it while cut into slices.
1: that's true. <laughs> um, yes, and also in
2: a language that's not her first language. yeah, right. but but actually, seriously on that, even like ob- without having to actually cut her up, she did have to stay still, right? And so that was she she was perfectly fixed when she we got to that kind of climactic scene of her narrating her backstory. And so all the emotion. Except except in the like voice voiceover scene. But but all of the emotion that we see her deliver on camera was her perfectly still. Mm-hmm. So she's yeah. doing everything just with kind of minimalist facial gesture, right? And and intonation. And and yet, you know, we get the complexity of the emotion. Yeah. As she's kind of sort of falling in love while also hating Cleon the first right that that really yeah. complex dynamic and uh yeah it's it's just fantastic yeah La- last season and this season just absolutely absolutely
1: yeah. you, know, you know it reminds me and I, and I know that this movie was a little bit cheesy but uh peter weller in robocop kind of had to do the same thing i mean he yeah. was loaded into that suit and all you saw was his face and it was really his only way of expressing emotion and if you ever hear peter weller talk about robocop it's very, very interesting. He's an extremely thoughtful and well-educated person mm. who was even, there's, there's a scene, there's an interview of him during the making of the movie where he's talking about it. And he's so philosophical. It's just really interesting because he really got into the whole philosophy of it. And again, he had to express all of that emotion and there's a lot only through his face. Mm. Yeah. And while, while being locked in this suit that was trying to kill him. yeah and so yeah that you know so there's an argument there as as i said that you know that laura byrne even though lee pace's performance was fantastic and i you know was on the edge of my seat waiting to see more of lee pace every week and yet laura byrne may have done the more fantastic acting job over even over the two seasons taken together although
0: you, you take one thing that's that's over the top that that one scene where she was leaving the ship to go back to terminus And she really put him in his place. That was not understated, but that was just wonderful.
1: But of course that's set up by the fact that everything else she does, except for the confrontation with Sarath is understated. And so when she cuts loose, it's even more impactful. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. It's an argument to not swear all the time because when it's needed, it's like slapping somebody across the face.
1: The one thing I'll give Lee Pace is that he had to play a number of different versions of the same character.
0: Mm
3: -hmm.
1: And he was able to convincingly do that. I mean, certainly this season's Brother Day was noticeably different from
2: other Brother Days. That's true. Yeah.
1: So I think that these two at the top absolutely belong there. Not to take anything away from any of these other extremely fine performances, but I think that, you know, having Demerzel and Brother Day one, two is- Yeah. Is absolutely deserved.
0: Completely agree.
1: All right. I think we have two categories left, right?
0: Two categories left. So, so that this would primary performance by primary character would probably be the first of the big three. The other two, we actually got rankings for um, the four nominees. And um, interesting from, uh, I'm going to get get nerdy for a second here, but interesting from a, um, interesting from a, a voting perspective because there's a, bunch of different and this is why I don't like calling instant runoff voting ranked choice voting there's a bunch of different um there's a bunch of different ways that you can take ranked data and use it to determine a winner. Okay and so I was I was going to go in here to to these and do some math but as I as it turned out I did not have to for best director it is not especially close. And uh, so I'll tell you what so here's why I didn't have to do the arithmetic here cuz they didn't well, okay. well, they sort of did it, but but I was gonna I was gonna like say, well, let's see you know there's there's a plurality vote, let's see there's a board account, let's see there's an anti-plurality vote. there's all these things. Roxanne Dawson would have won every possible positional system. Well, then I
1: guess she wins.
0: She didn't guess she wins, yeah, absolutely. Now, um, I have and- to say
1: that there may be some amount of bias in our sample because we constantly talk about what a great job she did (laughs) in season one and season two. And so these votes, I mean, a lot of these votes are us and then the other votes are people who listen to us. That's right. And so it's in their mind already that Roxanne Dawson has done such a great job. The one that kind of surprises me is Mark Tondrai being at the bottom Mm. because I thought episode seven, a necessary death might have actually been the best episode of the season.
0: Yeah, I Of course, make an argument course, for that for sure.
1: Of course, director, you know, the director is not the only aspect of, a, of an episode. There's the writing, the acting, there's the show running of David Goyer. So trying to separate out what is what the director is responsible for is a little difficult. But we, you know, we're constantly saying how Roxanne Dawson saved season one, mm-hmm. was instrumental in making season two recover from its little malaise that it had in the middle of the season. So I'm not surprised that she came out on top. But but Mark Tondra through the episode, you know, through the the uh you know, through the grace of that one episode, I thought would have finished a little bit higher.
0: Yeah, I would I would agree. And I thought that that episode four was pretty good too.
1: Yeah. But it was was Alex Graves coming in second, who who has probably directed the most total episodes over the two seasons. Yeah, and, and he then, did four this season. Yeah, he did. And then David Goyer, who obviously is also the showrunner. Also getting a, a pretty reasonable score, but I, I think it's I you know how how do you say that Roxanne Dawson doesn't deserve to win, especially as you say she wins in every dimension that you can that you can imagine.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and of those ranks, of those ranked voting methods, instant runoff, which is what we call ranked choice voting, is is actually not one of them. But she would have won that also.
1: Well, congratulations again to Roxanne Dawson, who I believed won this category last season as well.
0: Yeah. So is this our might be our first two-time winner of anything wow
1: i don't know i mean didn't lee pace win something both times i don't know it doesn't matter um (laughs) in
2: any case i'm sure it's a highlight of her career i'm sure it is i'm sure she's got it mounted
0: well well, i would love if she would come on the on the podcast and talk about it with us she should Or, you know, if she wanted to, we could just talk about Voyager. We would do that, too. I'm sure she's got
1: it (laughs) mounted up in a special case next to her Klingon ridges.
2: (laughs) I'm sure, you know, she probably doesn't get enough chances to talk about Voyager. She's probably probably just dying for another opportunity to revisit. And and to be asked
1: the question that no one's ever asked her before, would she be willing to reprise the role of Ilana Torres? (laughs) People want to know, and we've never gotten an answer to that. That's question. right. <laughs> uh, and finally,
0: so finally is the last category favorite episode, and the winner here is um, not as dominantly, not quite as dominantly, but pretty dominantly episode nine, long ago, not far away.
1: Which really, in a lot of ways, was the finale, right? Yeah. It, it really tied up a lot of the action, and then episode ten was more or less bridging us into next season
0: yeah it was episode 10 was well for me that this episode 10 was ending up more action than the last episode 10 is if that makes sense right i mean there there was more meat in episode 10 this season than there was in um in season one
1: yeah i think that's right
0: um but yeah really a, a lot of a lot of the climax the climaxing climaxes happened in episode nine which is why
1: episode 10 was not on our list of nominees
0: yep and that again was that that also was directed by roxanne dawson
1: yeah well there's a reason why she won the best director award because she directed the best episodes indeed and and then episode one in Seldon's shadow uh directed by alex graves very interestingly i thought came in second
0: well that (laughs) that's that's the episode i believe you you described as a hot mess before i'd even watched it
1: well, I mean, what what happened was they introduced a whole bunch of storylines. Oh, yeah. It was all over the place. Yeah. And then, you know, in episode, especially in episodes one and two, they they introduced all of this new stuff. And I think that's really why the show dipped a little in the middle. It was a little bit different dip from season one. I think season one got a little bogged down in the whole Anacreon versus Terminus thing. Here, I think they introduced so many storylines, they needed to take a breath and kind of develop those storylines and it took them a bunch of episodes to do that. But I think there was, there was some reason behind it. It wasn't just a slowdown. It was like, well, we, we've, we've introduced the spacers we've introduced Homer Mallow, We've introduced, you know,
2: yeah, there were a couple of episodes where we only had like half of the plots developed. Right. That's true. Like one, one episode was
1: for a long time. And then when we finally saw him, we didn't see him again for a while. Mm -hmm. And then um, episode seven, which I referred to before, which I thought might've been the best episode of the season was third. And then episode two, a glimpse of darkness, which was directed by David Goyer was, was fourth. And episode one and episode two, less so than last season, but they were still kind of a pair. They were still very Mm -hmm. exciting breakneck. And then they slowed things down Uh, season one. They released episodes one and two together on the first day, although they were very, very different. Right. Episode one was very much the framing story from the book, yes. a lot of the book elements. Obviously, the Starbridge was not in the book. And, and so that that was something new. But and then episode two, which was the, the journey to Terminus, it was more or less covered in a single sentence by Asimov and they expanded it into an entire episode.
0: Yeah. And I really in season one, I thought those first two episodes were sort of like an audition. Like they were they're were saying, here's how we handle adapting stuff that's close to Asimov and here's how we handle everything else. Yeah, the, the the episodes one and episodes two in this were, I think, much more similar.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah, but still, lo- long ago, not far away, would have won any positional system and would have won ranked choice voting if we had, had, had determined any of those ahead of time.
1: Well, that was a great episode.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It had
1: the destruction of Terminus in it. It had the Demerzel tearing down tearing down brother day.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Might um, be my ho- My favorite moment from the entire season.
1: It was pretty good.
0: And of course, all of Demerzel's backstory.
1: All right. So that is the second. Uh, Hemi, Hemi, semi, whatever you said.
0: Semi, uh, semi septennial.
1: Semi, semi septennial Harry awards. So again, thanks to everybody who voted and everybody yeah. who didn't vote. Come back next time and vote. The yeah. More, The more votes, the better everyone Every,
0: should
1: vote you don't have to register to vote in our thing you just vote
0: yeah I was actually I was actually pretty pleased with the response we got given that this this one existed you had to go to our website to vote rather than just voting on twitter or what have you
2: although I think next time we need to we need to get uh the nominees to have, do their own uh, get out the vote campaigns sure <laughs> or, or yes. else we move to an australian system with mandatory voting mandatory voting
3: I'm yeah sorry, voting.
2: Yeah, we should have done that this time. We should have told everyone. <laughs> Mandatory
1: voting. We'll be checking to see if you voted or not. And there will be fines for fines.
2: those who don't. yep. Absolutely.
0: Yeah let me, let me, yeah, let me know how we're going to administer that. I'm, a, I'm a curious.
2: I'll I'll check with Australia.
0: Once, once we figure it out. I'm not saying it has to be an answer right now.
1: Dan has already threatened to go door to door
2: to our listeners. Yeah, we have all the data. So we we track you people. We know where you are at all times.
0: Oh well, we, we don't even know most of the I, we only know names secondhand, just <laughs> if somebody tells us they listen, then we believe that they listen. But I don't have I I don't have any names.
1: And then now there's too many listeners to keep track of. I mean I think you know, at some at there was a time when we would have been on a first name basis with all of our listeners. That's true. <laughs> but now That's true. There's just a multitude out there listening to the show. Although at this point they may have turned off this episode. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, all right. So, well, we're, so we're we're tying up season 4. Tying up season 4. <laughs> Wrapping it up with a bow. Is there anything left to say about season 2 of Apple Plus TV's show Foundation that we haven't said multiple times? It sounds like there's nothing
0: yeah if there's if there's anything something might bubble up out of my brain eventually but there's nothing at the moment
1: it was good i liked yeah. it thumbs yeah, up it's, it's decent yeah thumbs up two thumbs up three thumbs up
0: three thumbs up three thumbs and, up and one thumb sideways <laughs>
1: <to> next, time. <laughs> yeah. next time we will we will be starting season five of the Zen podcast and we will let you know what we're going to talk about maybe it's the sequels Maybe it's, maybe it's something else. Maybe it's that Heinlein podcast we've been trying to tease him more this time. No, no, that's not, not happening. Not yet. But we'll be back in two weeks with, with that episode. So, See you
0: then.
2: We'll see you then. Well, that brings this week's episode to a close. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, Subscribe and give us a like and a positive review on your favorite platform. You can also visit our website at
1: starsendpodcast.wordpress.com, where there's always additional content. Our music, used by a Creative Commons license, is It Is Coming by Alex Mason.
0: Also, follow us on Twitter, at Stars End Podcast. Goodbye for now from the galactic capital of Trantor. This is where the stars end.